I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, when you got the role in My Cousin Vinny of The Stutterer, um, did that I kind said of... That Jonathan Lynn has been a good friend of mine since the late 60s. Mm-hmm. I read that script and I, I said, Jonathan, is this a sick joke? <laughs> <laughs> there is no way I'm doing this movie. <laughs> Dystopia tonight. How are you? How are you, sir? Good, good, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. This is, you know, it's crazy. We, um, I, you were doing a play right next door at the New City Theater in New York. Was it called called Life Sucks? Yes. Yeah. A yeah. wonderful play. It yeah. was fantastic. I, I love that you're still doing it, man, and you're still teaching. Are you, uh, uh, do you just, I mean, how did you you know, find your way into teaching that kind of stuff? Did you always have a passion for teaching and doing that kind of thing? Well, I hadn't thought of it. I studied at um, um, acting school in New York named HB Studio. Nice. Um, where Herbert Berghoff and Uta Hagen, so H could also have been Hagen Berghoff, you know. <laughs> uh, they, were, um, they were two of my three major acting teachers. Nice. And uh, one day after I'd studied there on and off for a few years, Herbert said, you want to teach here? This is late 1969. Right, right. And I said, yeah. And it's kind of stabilized my life, as you would imagine. This profession is so volatile. Right. And there are violent ups and downs. Go on, on all the time. Right, right. I mean, your career is so. Your career is over. Your career. Yeah. Is over. And, and, I mean, I mean, literally. And then, um, but having that, those I teach three classes a week. Having those classes, and and now for the last little over two years, they've been on Zoom, and they, but they just stabilize me. Yeah. So I, I just. Um, I can be. I can walk into a class or begin a class on Zoom, and um, I can be all bummed out about my career, or personal stuff, or whatever. Within twenty minutes, <laughs> I'm I'm fine. Yeah, with that's beautiful the teaching. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I don't think a lot. It's one of those things I don't think a lot of people really think about all the time. Is that even if you are in a movies in a bunch of movies and and you know uh, the perception is that you're just this you know constantly working actor actors comedians all of us we're all thinking about the same thing all the time is what's the next gig going to be Yeah right exactly Yeah and, and I, I I went through at least one big important period in my life for several years where my acting career in the theater was like over Wow. Wow. Um, uh, uh, a slew of reviews one spring that were catastrophic. I had no idea. And, and um, um, I mean, catastrophic. At one point, 
The third one was a production of Waiting for Godot. And wow. this was particularly painful because in college I had triumphed in the very same role. Oh, wow. But this was a production. Do you know that play? I do. Yeah, really yeah. well. It was, there had been a German production of it presented with the Brooklyn Academy of Music, mm -hmm. directed by Beckett himself. And um, he directed apparently very, he told everybody exactly what to do all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they sent over his, his assistant, who was this kind of lovely German guy, who who directed this production that was by the book and I didn't know how to function in it. I wow. mean, that way of working, I didn't understand. Right. And then, then it opened mm -hmm. and the reviews, I hadn't even read the reviews. Wow. But I was talking to my agent on the phone that morning about something else. And she suddenly broke down in tears and said, we can't not talk about it. That review in the times. And then I opened the door to my apartment and, and a friend from across the hall, she happened to open her door and she recoiled when she saw me. I said, don't worry, I've heard about it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't read the review for a year. Right. That afternoon, I was having a meeting with my friend Lynn Redgrave. Mm, wow. And uh, we were talking about bringing into New York a production I directed in Chicago that had gone very well mm -hmm. this year. And she said, before you go to Brooklyn, which is where I was in the Godot, mm -hmm. she said, let me take you for a bowl of soup. And she That's said, sweet. this review is going to kill you in terms of acting in the theater professionally in any major venue for seven years. She was right wow. down to the number. She was correct down to the number of years. Wow. Oh, and she just gave me this talk, this quiet, she was a marvelous woman. Right. Really. She, she, um, she gave me this talk. Um, you have to just keep acting, right? Wherever you can, whether it's in showcases in attics, or whether you <laughs> go out of town to do it, right? Or whatever, you just have to keep acting. You have to, and you, your career as a theater actor for seven years is over. Wow. I didn't realize. And then in about seven years, they may forgive you. And you start to, she was, as I say, she was dumb. She was true. That is the most transformative professional conversation I've ever had. That's incredible. And also, when I was a kid, I stuttered rather badly. And acting was kind of an escape from it. I ordinarily didn't stutter when I acted. Right. And occasionally I did but 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 usually I didn't and so I equate acting with saving my life that's why I still act right I mean I, I long since have gotten full, full control I mean almost completely full control of the stuttering yeah but I equate it with saving my life almost in the literal sense Right, because in those days there was no treatment for stuttering at all, and 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 people killed themselves. Yeah, yeah. If did it was if it was really severe. Did you try to hide it initially, your stutter, when you started acting? How did it you seem to go away when I acted? Wow. Now, 
the first play I did in New York, it turned out, was this play called Oh, Dad, Poor Dad, Mama's Hung You in the Closet and I'm Feeling So Sad, directed by Jerome Robbins. Wow. But I, and the, and the character stuttered. Okay. okay. And ordinarily, I would never have wanted to play a stuttering part. Right. But my solution to that was to be totally, play it fluently. And mm-hmm. the director was Jerome Robbins. Okay. You know, the Jerome Robbins. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yes. And, and um, he kept saying, you're supposed to be stuttering. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, I will, I will. And I didn't. But then as the run went on, it sort of overcame me. Wow. And when it started to overcome me, it, I mean, it's so written into the rhythm of the role that it finally, and when it first started to overcome me, I decided to pull out of the show. Wow. wow. And I told the stage manager, I'm, I, I got to, and it was off Broadway, so you have a two week out. Right. And I'll tell, I'll, I'll just tell you this. He said, stop it. Stop at Jerry's apartment, Jerry Robbins' apartment. Mm-hmm. This is the Jerry Robbins of West Side Story. And, oh, wow. Uh, okay, wow. I thought, nice. The, the choreographer, director. It was the first time he'd ever directed a play, first time he'd directed it off-Broadway. Well, stop at Jerry's apartment on the way to the theater. Mm-hmm. His apartment was two blocks away from the theater, on the Upper East Side. He said, okay, I hear you want to quit the show, and I understand. Um, he said, I don't want you to do that. Wow. And I said, well, Jerry, it's pretty bad. He still, he said, try to get hold of it. Mm-hmm. But if you quit this show and reason gets out why, you'll never act again. And now this, I quote, he's, he, Jerry Roman said, I want you to act for the rest of your life. Wow. So don't quit this show. That's that you can't ask for a better endorsement than that either. Yeah, that's a significant moment. Yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, when you got the role in My Cousin Vinny of the Stutterer, um, did that kind of Jonathan Lynn has been a good friend of mine since the late 60s? Mm -hmm. I read that script and I I said, Jonathan, is this a sick joke? (laughs) (laughs) There is no way I'm doing this movie. And then, but I, but I, and I was in Chicago at the time working at Steppenwolf, I'm, I'm a member. And I, right. and, and, and he, um, and so, and I got, I got back to town and my wife said, Jonathan wants to have, take you for dinner and a drink down the street at a Greek restaurant that we had. Nice. And I said, well, I know what he's going to do. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that movie. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> And and okay, two bottles of Ritzina <laughs> and a wonderful wonderful Greek meal. And okay, I agreed to do it. Nice. That movie almost ended my film career. Why? Because people said, first of all, people actually said to me, This that's the best work you're ever gonna do. Wow. First of all, that's a horrifying thing to say to an actor. Of course, yeah. Anyway. But, but they sort of implied now they only wanted me for stuttering parts. Oh, my God. And 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 I I just said to them, I'm not doing them. Right. Yeah. I will never do that again. Right. And yeah. and it's like, um, um, but so then all the offers dried up. And the only ones who kept hiring me were Jonathan Lynn. I did three more movies with him. Right. The best one of which is called Trial and Error. 
Great movie. Love that movie. movie. Yep. And 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 the but all and and Barbara Streisand hired me again. Oh, nice. Because I mean, the word got out. He's not going to work anymore. Right. So so I've been with her in What's Up, Dog. So she said, "Let's. I'm going to do another one with you." Which was um, the mirror has two faces. Mirror has two faces. Yeah. Uh, What? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, What's Up, Doc, is one of my mom and I. My mom introduced me to that movie when I was younger. And I don't think I've ever laughed harder. Oh, than it, you, I mean, I, you can't put this in a quote, a quote ad, but you pee in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also the hardest movie um, for, I mean, for, for everyone in it. Yeah. Because you have to talk so fast. Right. So, so we have these group scenes where we talk so fast, like around the dining room table at one point in a restaurant. Yep. And we you have to talk so fast. It's it's based on those Howard Hawks comedies where they talk very fast. Mm-hmm. So we would do take after take. I remember everybody in every take thinking, please don't let it be me be the one that screws up. <laughs> please, God. So this gives the film a kind of an ensemble electricity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could feel and, it. And um uh, I I remember after one such day with a scene like that and Peter Bogdanovich like take after take after take mm-hmm. and we would roar along talking at a mile a minute and Peter Bogdanovich who, who I was friends with for the rest of my life said um, for the rest of his his life, his life. yeah unfortunately and and um, um, so we would do with these takes and talking a mile a minute, all of us. And then he would, at the end, he would go cut. And then he'd say, well, it's got to go faster than that. <laughs> and, and, um, um, but it was, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. That kind of comedy is the hardest thing in the world. It was exhausting. And I remember that was in the days in the early seventies of all the, the new, th- the, th- the big new uh, uh, therapy treatments, right, yeah. right, and and um, um, and uh, we would all we would all sit around the set and talk about all these therapy. I mean, so the cast got very close. The class, mm-hmm. the, they, yes. I mean, I mean, Barbara, everybody, yeah, uh, it it all be so. It was because the film was like exhausting to do. Oh, I can that, imagine that kind of utter rapid fire talk. It, right. It, it, it's so it's so exhausting to do, and and um, the um, um, and it, it's such a delicious movie to still see. Yeah, and it, generation after generation of people still kind of love it. You know? Absolutely, because it still holds up. There's nothing in it that's like not timely not not you know everybody understands the relationships the characters have yeah um you know everybody's one of the yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that i haven't tried this so as a comedian being on the road in hotel rooms you know when barbara orders that food in the beginning of the movie oh yeah i've done it it works yeah (laughs) right it works (laughs) she is such a lovely lady i just adore her that's awesome to hear i just love her was that the first time you guys had, had met, or did you meet? Yeah, yeah. We sort of knew of each other. I mm-hmm. mean, even before she became a big star, right? She, she uh, we kind of knew of each other, 
but 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 we never really met, you know. Right. Was so of- open. She's so electrifying to act with. Oh, very and, funny too. Like timing wise, like that's oh, like she's timing. A, yeah. She's extraordinary. Yeah, she's she's incredible. Um, was there was there? I don't know what it's like on the set back then, but did you guys? stick strictly to the script when it's that funny or were you able oh, to Oh no you have to. You do you have yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not permitted to fool around. Do you like how what do you what's your thought on improvisation and and kind of throwing in your own lines like cuz I feel like a lot of movies and stuff are done that way now. I don't I never learned how to do that well. Okay. So so I'm not like into it. I I I mean I approve of it. Sure, sure. But um I um uh, I don't know how to do it because in, in Oh Dad, Poor Dad, I played opposite Barbara Harris, who was, who came from that improvisational group and, right. and she, she never improvised the language, but, right. but um, she, um, she, she would improvise behavior wonderfully every night. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. finally, after a year in Oh Dad, Poor Dad, they had to fire me because finally the stuttering was getting out of control. Uh. So, and I was so relieved to be out of it. Right. And so there was a bar up on Second Avenue in the days when they had, when they had dive bars on Second Avenue. And boy, do I miss that. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and all my friends came because I was so relieved to be out of the stress of doing that play and mm-hmm. not being able to control the stuttering and all that. Right. And, and, um, and then I thought, well, the sad thing is that Jerry Robbins is, is never going to hire me again. Eight months later, he auditioned me for Fiddler on the Roof. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And the first thing he said when I... First, he had me audition for the part of the revolutionary. He came roaring backstage and said, after my audition, said, you're not stuttering anymore. What an accomplishment. And (laughs) and I still was a little bit, but I'd I'd worked a lot on it. It wasn't very severe. Mm -hmm. And... um, so then he finally cast me as, as the tailor, as Mundell the tailor. Wow. And we were in rehearsal. And we were, and, and it was, we were rehearsing in the summer, and we would go up to Central Park for lunch. And I was still stuttering a little bit as Mundell the tailor, not anything like before. Right. So yeah. he said to me, um, we were sitting there, he said, um, I see you're still, you're still, you, you still are stuttering a little bit. Um, I mean, it's not a problem, right? And it yeah. even works for the character. But I, I do see you had told me you're not. I'd got the impression you weren't stuttering at all. And I said, <laughs> well, you know what? Can I say I lied. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and he said, it's it. First of all, it's not a problem at all in the role, and it's not severe at all, mm-hmm. like it used to be. But um, the show it. <laughs> The show is three and a half hours long, so if you could speed it up, just just <laughs> the funniest thing I literally ever heard. Then, and then after that, those two shows, Oh Dad and Fiddler on the Roof, the first two shows I did were directed by Jerome Robbins. Oh wow! And and he would come and see like almost everything I did, and he was very supportive. And and when he didn't like something I'd done, we'd have would have lunch or something and he'd be very open and honest and constructive. He, I mean, of course his comments were brilliant mm-hmm. and all that. And um, then a few years ago, I'm, I'm in bed at night and I'm reading a 
a brilliant new biography of Jerome Robbins. It just right. came out. And guess what? You're in it. When Jerry Robbins was a teenager, he stuttered. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. I thought, I owe my career to the fact that Jerome Robbins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he mean, never brought it up. I mean, yeah. My God. What a great guy, though. Never, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And he, he somehow transcended it when he became a choreographer. And somehow that took it away from him. Yeah. And what took it away from me was I just kept acting and there was less and less. And then there wasn't any of it. And then along comes that. Pardon my French, fucking my cousin Vinny. <laughs> when, when that's all they wanted me to do after that. <laughs> I had no idea. If it weren't for, for Jonathan Lynn putting me in three more movies and Barbara Streisand putting me in another movie. Right. And, and I remember when I had an interview with Barbara Streisand for um, The Mirror Has Two Faces. Mm -hmm. She said, the first comment she made was, um, you remember what a piece of shit we thought What's Up Doc was going to be? <laughs> this is 24 <laughs> years later, you know. Oh, my and God. We didn't exactly think it was a piece of shit, but we didn't think it was going to work. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that the way it is with most comedies like that? Comedy on film is hard because you don't have any way of knowing whether it's funny or not. Right, yeah, you got no audience. And usually... When somebody comes back from making a comedy film and they say, oh, it was heaven. <laughs> then you go see it and it falls flat. Yeah. But if you hear when they come back that it was really hard, mm -hmm. really uh, difficult, yeah. then it usually means the comedy is going to work. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Yeah. What, what was your transition like? What was your transition like from theater to television and movies? Well, the first movie I made was an auto premature movie called Skidoo. Oh wow. Um, which um and it was it, it was the first time I, I I'd ever really made a movie. Mm -hmm. And um I'd I'd never met Otto Preminger. He was famous for his temper. Wow. Of course. And um I was in LA and he was up in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're going to fly you up to San Francisco. And you'll do a screen test. They used to have those for Mr. Preminger. And, um, and, then, and then you can fly, you can fly back to New York. And of course, of course, we pay for that. Yeah. So I waited outside Otto's hotel room at about 5.30, and we were going to drive to the set, and we were going to do the screen test. Mm -hmm. And it was that momentous spring of 1968 <laughs> when the political upheaval in the country was the assassination of Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bobby Kennedy. Right. I mean, and, and all that stuff was going on. The end of Camelot. And and um, so Otto Preminger and I rode out to the set in the backseat of his limousine. We talked politics the whole way. Wow. And then he said to the driver when we got to the set, tell Mr. Pendleton he can go to the airport. Maybe he can get an earlier flight. And I said, well, I, th I thought I was going to have a screen test. He said... No, I've enjoyed your conversation a great deal. I want you in the movie. 
Wow. And it was wow. a political conversation. Yeah. So then, if, then a few weeks later, when it when the shoot moved to 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 um, L.A., I went out. Right. It was a very hard shoot because everybody thought this movie isn't working. And then it opened to like horrifying reviews. And almost immediately, it became a cult favorite. Wow. In 1969, it played every Friday night at midnight on the Berkeley campus. Wow. And That's intense film students on the subway would come up to me and say, hey, man, you're in Skidoo. Yeah. <laughs> and, and over the years, it's become this real cult favorite. And I would run into Otto on Third Avenue. Mm hmm. And he would say, Austin, Austin, why do people like this movie? <laughs> I said, I have no idea, Otto. <laughs> I found him an utterly charming man. Mm. The, during the shooting of that film, he, he just taught me everything I know about film acting. Wow. And of course, the acting in so many of his films is so extraordinary. Right. Yes. Even Joan Crawford gave him credit and she made a movie with him with Henry Fonda. Oh yeah, by yeah. The name of Daisy Kenya. I've seen and that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I like Joan Crawford even when she's florid and all that. Right. And, but her co-star in Daisy Kenya is Henry Fonda. She's as simple as he is. Yeah. As Henry, and she, oh, she says, "I owe this all to Premature." Wow. Wow. And 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 um, he um, he on the set for Skidoo, he just taught me everything I know about film acting. Did you did you still have like a, a truer affection to the theater acting at the time? Or did you think like, oh, I've got like I want to do more film after that? I hadn't been thinking about film. I I I, I had no idea how to do it. Okay. I, I thought it would be and, and there's a thing in film where you have to hit your marks and, and you come yeah. start. And we were rehearsing a shot and I couldn't I kept I kept missing my marks. <laughs> and Otto said, you are an amateur. And the words, the following words just came out of my mouth. I said, I know I am. What are we going to do about it? And he, like on a dime, he said, all right, good. Wow. And then he spent the shoot teaching me about film acting. Wow. You seem to, I mean. You do to this day is this revered cult film. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And and I I feel free to say that because I'm a huge Otto Preminger fan, right. but he agreed with me. Yeah, and he said, <laughs> I don't. Why do they like this? <laughs> you know, and and it's um um, but uh, there oh a few years ago, fifteen years ago, there was a great retrospective of the film forum in New York, and I I, I went to see virtually every film, and it's kind of stunning. Wow, it's yeah. kind of stunning. Do you did you feel like uh, when you had a, when you had your first film success like outside of a cult classic, did you like it better or worse than being a cult uh, a cult classic film? What like do you, like basically what I'm, like I'm thinking of like it's got to be awesome to be part of a cult classic movie and to be one of those like actors that's like revered for being in something like that. But did you like that feeling better or did you like it when? you know, you finally hit something huge in the movie. A more commercial success. Yeah, more commercial success. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it doesn't feel any different. 
Oh, it doesn't. Okay. I, I think the film I enjoyed making the most was Mr. and Mrs. Bridge with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. That's a great movie. Yeah. Wow. I love, and I had that big scene with Joanne. Yeah. And I think that afternoon in that home in Kansas City with Jim Ivory directing, but and we just did take after take after take. And I right. Just, I loved that experience. Um, if I had to do anything as stupid as be asked to choose between acting in theater and acting in film, well, first of all, I'd say, why do I have to choose? Right. <laughs> but, but, but secondly, I would say, um, 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 uh, well, there are wonderful things about the theater. You get to play the whole part when you play it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Play it a scene here, a scene there, a scene here, a scene there. Right. Film, the great thing, well, uh, I mean, a great film set is, is a wonderful atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like the way it was with What's Up, Doc. I mean, we were all so tense that we all, we all bonded. Yeah. And, um, um, some, and, uh, th there have been some films that have just been, I worked with the the great and late director Alan Pakula once in a movie, and it was just fascinating to work with him and right. and all those things. Um, called, a film called Starting Over with Burt Reynolds, and and it, um, it it can be fascinating to work on a great film set. It's it's thrilling. So, um, but if somebody, for some just arbitrary, idiotic reason, said it has to be film or TV or or or, or theater, I'd probably say theater. Right. That's yeah. your first love. But first, I would say I don't understand why I have to make a choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say if you're going to really push this, I would say theater. Yeah. You worked with so many great directors, though. Uh, did you ever feel like you wanted to be the other side of the camera? No. I mean, I wouldn't mind being on the other side of the camera, but I've never like actively wished it. I, I could be wrong about this, but I think you played a villain twice, once in Guarding Tess. Yeah. And the other one, I love Guarding Tess, by the way. That's another one of my favorite uh, films. But the other one is you weren't really quite a villain, but you got to work with the Muppets and kind of be the oh, antagonist. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know here's that's funny. First, first, first of all, about Guarding Tess. Yeah. The great thing in that, I played the chauffeur to, to Shirley McLean. Shirley McLean, yeah. So there were all these things where there would be drive-by shots and where, you know, scenes in the car. And so she and I would just sit in the car and I would sit in the front seat. I'm the chauffeur after all. And she would sit in the back seat and we would just talk. And you can't imagine how fascinating she was to talk to. Wow. She just said the most interesting things. And she <laughs> talked about the most interesting people. And it was, it was really... Um, um, she's a fascinating woman, and of course, an extraordinary actress. Yeah. So I loved that. And what was the other one you said? Oh, the Muppet movie. Oh, the Muppet. Well, the Muppet movie. Here's here's arrogance like you've never heard. <laughs> um, I um I was up for it, and I was the sh chauffeur, and um. Charlie Durning was in it. Yes. I was supposed to be his assistant. And yep. He's evil and I'm evil. Now, Charlie, I had met on the road 
in Fiddler on the Roof. When it was in Detroit, he had a part, and we got to be quite close to him, but then his part was cut. Okay. Fiddler on the Roof, parenthetically, almost closed in Detroit. Wow. It got a horrifying review in Variety, and Hal Prince couldn't raise the rest of the money. I think he finally must have put in his own money. Right. And But anyway... uh, um, if you want to entertain yourself, read the Variety Out of Town review in Fiddler. I mean, and if you Google it, you can find it. Okay, it's like the worst review you've ever read. <laughs> and the and uh, but but anyway, um, and Jerry Robbins, he saved it. He just kept refining it. Wow. He didn't panic. He didn't throw things out. He didn't. He just kept refining it. Right. Anyway, so. Um, but so, so oh, oh the, and so the Muppet movie was in the middle when I was doing these, these plays where the, I was very involved and I didn't really want to do it. Oh. So I had, a, I had a meeting with the director and um, I said, well, I, I would be, I, before I got this arrogance, I don't even know. <laughs> How did we get? I said I have to. I I'm really into theater right now. I I think if the character underwent a transformation in the course of the, I'm thinking, Austin, what are you saying? <laughs> and and to my astonishment, he said, "Okay." Wow. And I said, "And now." This is actively embarrassing. I said, if he undergoes the kind of transformation that Marlon Brando's character in On the Waterfront goes through, where he changes because he, you know. Yeah. And Jim Frawley, the director, he said, good idea. Wow. (laughs) So he changed it. Yeah, and I loved that in the movie. I liked that your character had yeah. that 180. That was beautiful. But I was, I mean, I can't believe I... You pulled it out, yeah. That I, I sat there and asked that. Yeah, yeah. What, what was and it the like? Muppet movie also, it's like, you know, it had its 50th anniversary thing a, a few years ago. Yeah, it did. And, and it, it's like, what, that and Gone with the Wind and one or two other... <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. It's... Um, 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 and and Jim Frawley did a really good job on it. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the it's that's another movie that the comedic timing is amazing. And when you think about you know those uh, those guys acting with the Muppets, I mean, did it? How was it acting with Muppets? Have you ever well, done anything like that people before? People would ask me that in interviews, mm-hmm. and I said it's like acting opposite a piece of cloth. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> and we I want- mean, what what you're responding to is not. Yeah, the Muppet, but the um, but but the voices of the actors. Right. Well, I yeah. just want to know if Miss Piggy was as sexy in person as she is on screen. <laughs> that's all I really want to know. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, Miss Piggy and I had an affair. That that's that, that that's not widely. I knew known. it. I knew not it. Widely known. But, <laughs> now we're getting to but, it. But now the truth can come out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can. I it can was tell. for obvious reasons. Um, not revealed at the time, <laughs> but and she was very good in bed. I, I mean, I, I I don't know how to put it. Yeah, I heard her and Kermit were going through something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I broke them up. You know, respect, yeah. respect. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was a little sordid, but, you know. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it makes As sense. As the saying goes, shit happens. You right. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got to say, and you just said you weren't that good at improv. Bravo. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. You whipped yeah. that out of nothing. Thin air. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. I'm no, good it, at improv in conversation. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's just fascinating because those are like, uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where like, it was so new at the time still too. You know what I mean? And to take that, that must've been like, you know, how some people felt about taking Westerns in the beginning or maybe taking superhero movies now or whatever. It wasn't something everybody did. It was their first movie and they were from TV, you know? Yeah. So that was, that yeah. was awesome. yeah. You, I was been... in a, a movie called, I was offered a movie called, the, it, it was ended up being called something else. It was called <laughs> The Last of the Cow, the Cowboys with Henry Fonda. When it, that was the first title of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just assumed it was a Western. So I told my agent, I'll do it. It was about truck drivers. <laughs> Conceive of my despair. And, and it was called, it was called the great smoky roadblock or something like that. Jesus, <laughs> man, and, what a 180. <laughs> but, but again, and it's, it's not, it got bad. It's it's not a bad movie, but of course Henry Fonda is just extraordinary, right? To act, to get to know, and to act with. You, and, you've and, had, um, um, yeah. I was gonna say you've had such an amazing career and worked with so many icons. Have you ever gotten starstruck? No. On the path? No. Because uh, they don't let you. I mean, the really great stars—they don't do that. Right. Yeah. You know, they 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 just talk to you and they listen to you. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of an exception to that. That's really true. And They're also did, an exception. I'm not going to tell you. I don't. I I truly can't think of an exception to that. Wow. Would you take? I mean, you know, you've been talking about movies and and bad reviews and but working with people. Do you think it balances out at the end of the day when you've had a great experience with an actor like Henry Fonda or Barbara Streisand and maybe the audience doesn't receive the movie that well? Do you take it as a like um, not a loss, but as like a it, it balances out? It kind of evens out at the end of the day. You you just try well, at least I do it. I, and I think a lot of it, you, you don't even think about it. Right. It's an experience. Whatever the critics or the public wants to do with it, then it's in their hands. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, um, um, if it was a good experience, and it almost always is, mm -hmm. you just hope they like it, and you know. But but there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. You do you remember a point in time in your career where you felt like you had made it where you thought like, Oh, I feel really good. I know what I'm doing acting wise. I, I feel comfortable on a set. Do you remember that? Oh, you mean in film or theater or where? Yeah, uh, in, in film or theater, just as an actor, do you remember that moment where you were like, I've got it. I understand what I'm doing and I know, I know I'm good at it. No. Oh, wow. There, there's no like moment like that. Right. See, or a, a different way of putting it is this. Um, everything is a new challenge. Mm -hmm. So, see, 
I have a thing, and I tell this to my class. The worst thing to watch is a secure actor. That's great advice. You know the yep. English actress by the name of Margaret Layton? I do. Yeah. She, um, well, like when I was first in New York, she gave, if I had to pick two or three of the greatest performances I've ever seen on the stage, it would be her in that play called The Night of the Iguana. Right. Wow. wow. I've never seen yeah. Oh, my God. She was brilliant in that. And and she was properly acclaimed for it and all that. It, and the, <laughs> the other one in it was Betty Davis, and she was pretty good, too. You know. Yeah. But Margaret Layton was transcendent. I don't know how else to put it. Six mm -hmm. years later, I acted her in, with her in um, the Mike Nichols production of The Little Foxes, which uh, I got into by a total fluke, by the way. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted Dustin Hoffman to play it. Oh, and they wow. were shooting The Graduate. And Dustin wasn't sure whether he wanted to do it or not. And Mike was thinking, I'm making you a star. All I'm asking for you is to play this part <laughs> in The Little Foxes for eight weeks at, the, you know, at Lincoln Center. But, mm -hmm. but, but Dustin truly was confused about why he was exhausted. He was all that. No. And so the producer said, um, um, well, has he said yes or no? And, and finally, Mike, this is a, a transcontinental phone call, you know, long distance mm -hmm. On the set of the graduate, my friend, he said, "No, I, I just, I, I don't want to wait anymore. Just find me another eccentric young character actor in New York." <laughs> my picture was in the paper that day because wow. I had six months before been in a play directed by the brilliant Alan Arkin. Wow! And I had just won an award for it, and my picture was in the paper from that. And so, produced said Austin Pendleton, and Mike said, "Hire him." And I remember wow. I, got, I was in San Francisco at ACD at the time, and I got a call from my agent. Would you like to be in Mike Nichols' production of Little Fox? I said, yeah, but what part? Mm. I mean, there's only one young guy part in it. Yeah. And then I thought, well, he must. And, and Mike pulls me over at the second day of rehearsal and says, you know, you're totally miscasting. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I said, yeah. But he said, well, we'll, he very properly said, we'll make an adventure out of it. Wow. To this day, I don't understand. I just kept bringing the same work in every day. That's awesome. Finally, he was in despair. <laughs> and he said, this performance is just wrong from beginning to end. And you don't bring in anything new. He was utterly right. Mm -hmm. I, I still don't know why I did that. So, and Bancroft was in it, too. Mm -hmm. She said, I know what's bothering him. And I said, what? It's the way you move. You, she, she was very funny and bankrupt. She said, <laughs> you, she also had just done the graduate with him. Mm -hmm. She said, you, you, um, when you Austin walk across the room, you lead with your head because people have already, ha have all to always told you you're smart. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> But but Leo, his character, he's utterly stupid. Mm -hmm. The only thing he's proud of is an affair he's having with a person called the woman in Mobile. 
Leo is so stupid he doesn't even realize she's a prostitute, but it's his one point of pride in his life. So, Austin, when you walk across the stage, lead with your crotch. <laughs> so I walked out and I, and don't tell Mike I said this. <laughs> and I said, so I walked out and I just stopped. All I thought of was leading with my crotch. And Mike said, you got it. You got the part. You, you got wow. the character. That's wow. incredible. Yeah. And Anne Bancroft told you to do it. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, she was a marvelous woman. Right. She was, she was just a marvelous woman. Had you met her before then? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and um, um, she was, of course, extraordinarily beautiful. Mm -hmm. But she was also just a supportive actor to other actors. That's awesome. And... Um, um, <laughs> And that production of Mike's was awesome. Yeah. Read, look up the review by Walter Kerr of it. I will. In, Walter in Kerr. the Sunday time in 1967. Sweet. He, he's totally right. Awesome. Yeah, no, he's, I will. He's, um, totally, he, he's totally right. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, um, it just captures that play so magnificently, you know. Yeah. Is, is there anybody that you've wanted to work with over the years that you didn't get to? First of all, I got so lucky. For, I mean, in Skidoo was, for example, Jackie Gleason and Groucho Marx. Right. Yeah, wow. you can't beat that. <laughs> and before my scene with Groucho Marx, I had dinner with him, which was exactly what you would think it would be. <laughs> and the stuff just coming out of him, the one-liners, yeah. were, I mean, just breathtaking. And 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 um, the... Um, and Jackie Gleason was so, he of course suffered from terrible depression, but I had a lot of I scenes with him and he was so supportive. Wow. And he was so lovely. And, 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 um, and then Barbara Streisand, you know, I mean, um, I, I don't think I ever had fantasies of working with anybody. I was very thrilled once to meet um, uh, Vivian Lee. And she wanted me to do Oh Dad, Poor Dad okay, in London with her. But by that point, I decided I can never play this part again because right. of stuttering. And it just right. gets out of control. Right. So, um, so and, and my mom idolized Vivian Lee. My mom had been a professional actress mm -hmm. before she married my dad. So we all went up in the late afternoon to meet Vivian Lee. And Vivian Lee asked, asked my mother about her life and my mom explained how she was professional and she now works at a community theater. And, and Vivian Lee was as interested in that. She was utterly took all that in. Wow. And then after a while she turned to me and said, I, I think you know that I'm very interested in acting with you in London next year in Oh Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. I saw it and I, I would love to do that. And I said to her, it's, she said, it's Vivian. I said, okay, Vivian, I can't play that part again. Right. It just, it, I, I have been afflicted with that problem. I have it under control, but I can't control it in the role. Right. And I can never play that part again. And Vivian Lee looked at me, I'll never forget this moment, and said, I know exactly what you mean. Because the same thing happened to her in London when she played Blanche Dubois. Wow. The characters took her over. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would hit the streets and do whatever. I mean, but this, it was this moment of communication. And of course, she was unbelievably beautiful. Right. But the, the, but the and, and it was a very moving moment where we just kind of understood each other. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um, but I, I don't think I ever had, I mean, I got so lucky from the get-go about and a year in Fiddler with Mr. Zero Mostel. Right. Oh, my God. That's, that I mean. Was, that was a trip. Th he liberated me as an actor. He would literally do anything on stage. Yeah, he seemed like one of those guys that was completely fearless from the get-go. And every yeah, role... he would just do whatever came into his mouth. Right, and 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 I had a big scene with him in the first mm -hmm. act. And he, um, and at one point, he even slightly he he never made a real thing about it. He would occasionally, and I still had a little bit of the stutter. And sometimes he would even make a little bit fun of that. And people would say, "I, I, it's horrifying that Zero is being acted. <laughs> He's liberating me." Yeah. Wow. He's, yeah. No, I. I worship him. Right. I love that he's doing that. And and he would also do all kinds of pranks on stage that <laughs> defied description. And and um so I loved him. I loved him. And 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 we were friends until the day he passed. Wow. And um 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 Joe Van Fleet was in Oh Dead, Poor Dead, and 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 you know who that was. Yep. And she was famously a very difficult and competitive woman. But when Barbara Harris had her great success in Oh Dead, Poor Dead, mm -hmm. Joe was say things like, "Aren't we, aren't we lucky? Aren't aren't we lucky if Barbara's had such a success because we get to keep doing the play?" No. Like Barbara Harris that. No one ever, I think, I think I've said this already. No one ever felt competitive with her. Right. And, and, and also Joe was very, we got to be good friends and mm -hmm. she was regarded as impossible. Wow. Impossible. In fact, it sort of ended her career earlier than it should have. She ended up literally as a bag lady. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, she still had the apartment. She lived right. in the and she would sit down all day and bathrobe and slippers in the lobby and just stare into space. I mean, she, she oh my god, she she had a hard time, you know, and but she was uh, what an actress! Oh my god, what an actress! And when you when you say competitive though, do you just mean in the field of acting or just in life in general? Did she have that kind of? Um... Oh yeah, she would. She. Uh, um, she would talk well no she was funny about that some actors she wasn't competitive with at all hmm. others she was but she was just known as being wildly difficult right but she wasn't really an odette for that she no. was but she knew her career was coming to an end because people just wouldn't hire her that's a only shame. elia kazan would hire her oh really why is that he boy he said they're difficult Bring them on. <laughs> you like to challenge? Yeah, yeah. And that's he awesome. Was proud. He was proud that he would. And, and she did some extraordinary work. In mm -hmm. At least two or three movies with him and on stage a couple of times. And um, he was proud that he could 
Right. And um, um, she she was a troubled woman. I mean, she she had issues, but um, but she was a, she was a a great actress. And right. the the arc of what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Don't believe when you hear someone is either difficult or they're not. Right, I agree. Yeah. Some, I mean, like my long day and night, my eighteen-hour day with with uh, Russell Crowe on A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. He was sublime. Right. Amazing movie. Yeah. And when heard yeah. how difficult he was, it's just not true. It right. was not true. And yeah, you got to. He's. At about eleven o'clock, when I had a very difficult close-up to do, he saved my ass. Really? There's no how other you, way of putting it. How do you do that? Well, he just—it was the big scene I had was at the very end of a long day. Okay. Yeah. The day that began at seven in the morning. Good lord. The whole afternoon had been spent trying to get a scene right, and he was in old man makeup and all that. It's the worst written scene in any movie that I've ever been in. <laughs> and I kept saying to Ron um, Howard, we did take after take. I said, and it's the only scene in the movie that's bad. And I, I would say, well, I just can't do it. Right. And, 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 do we? Does the movie need the scene? I walk around and tell this man about the awards he's won. He's a, he's a mathematical genius. Yeah, right. I said that's. I mean, it's a brilliant script, and it won best screenplay for the. Yeah, I said what. He knows all this. Why am I telling you? <laughs> the Medical Society of America would not approve the script unless we put this scene in it. Really? Can we rewrite it right now? No, they want exactly this writing. Wow. So all wow. afternoon we did that scene over and over and over again. That is brutal. How yeah, often does that happen we in a got film? to no. the scene at the end where I have the long talk with him mm-hmm. in the dining hall. And they did... Uh, Russell's close-up in which he was magnificent and he broke down and wept and yeah. all that stuff. Then all night, hours, was shots of all these professors putting the pens on the desk from an overhead shot. Okay. Close-ups of all of us watching and all of them it took hours and hours. Finally, it's 11 o'clock at night. And I'm going to do my close-up mm-hmm. in the only scene that is the only reason you would do the part. Right. And I thought, I can't do it. And they said to Russell, you could go home. He was exhausted. He said, no, I'm staying to be off camera with Austin. Wow. wow. One take, they got it. Holy shit. That's wow. amazing. He's one of those actors, when you act with him, you can't help but do it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But also the generosity of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's the thing. I mean, what you just said about, you know, don't believe if you hear that someone's difficult. How often do you think that affects people's careers when it shouldn't? Do you think that happens a lot? I don't know. I think I mean, we're entering an era now where everybody has to be nice to work with. I know. 
I wish that would stop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, because the craziest thing is, is you've talked about how compassionate actors are. You know what I mean? And how and how like what I'm getting from everything you've told me about these other people is that, you know, their empathy comes from having lived either, you know, their own sort of depression or or, or overcome their own sort of disability. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is that I think people forget that you're human. So you can have those moments of empathy and, and that's the dominant side of your personality. And you can have an off day where you flip a chair and scream at somebody on set. I remember my theater arts teacher in high school who we all loved. I was in where, the play. Where was this? This was in Tom's River, New Jersey. At, uh, it was, uh, I went to High School East is what it was called. Oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, and the theater arts teacher was named uh, Hildy Harper. And I'm still close, so they were still friends. But she loved theater. She still goes and reviews shows and, and she loves to go to the theater. Um, but I remember, you know, if if we didn't get it right, we were afraid to piss her off because she would she threw a chair once, not at anybody. But I remember I was a sophomore in high school. We were doing funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Oh. And, uh, you know, we were kids. So we were we were, you know, being kids. And we had a couple days left and she just took the chair and flung it across the thing. And I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen an adult do. But I was like, nobody, you know, we were just like, all right, you know, we got to get our shit together. And we did. And we had a great show. But I mean, I feel like today, you know, you you just can't express yourself in any way. Today, God. Yeah. It's going if, to, if, if they're not careful, things are going to get really bland. Now, they haven't Absolutely. yet. Right, right. But we got to be careful. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Today, it is, it is... Zan would be. <laughs> Nothing. You know. Yeah. In jail. He wouldn't be like allowed. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That would be and the end of it. He would be denied all those movies. Right. You, do you consider yourself a writer as well? Like when you're editing scripts and stuff like well, that? I, and maybe I, going I've through... written three plays. Right. And well, I've I mean, like the librettos for a few musicals. Do, so do you, is that something no. that you like, is that another passion that you had? How did you come into the writing aspect of it? Um, was that through the acting? I think I went into New York to become an act, to become a writer. I, I was an undergraduate at Yale. Okay. Yes. And the extracurricular group was and still is called the Dramat. It's not like the Yale Drama School. It's the undergraduate thing. Right. And their thing was every year they would do an original musical written by students. Mm-hmm. And in my freshman and and um, and and sophomore years, those original musicals were written by by Richard Maltby and David Shire. Oh wow, okay. And there are still songs from those two different musicals that are standards. Yeah. Like yeah. The song Autumn. Right. Yes. Which still gets sung. Mm-hmm. Was in the one in the in the freshman year and all that. In the in the in 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 the junior year, the leading actor actress in that was Gretchen Cryer. Wow! Wow! That's how I met her, and and that also that's that had a brilliant score. But then they graduated, mm-hmm. so in my junior and sophomore years, I I would get together with people and we would write we would write. We would write musicals to submit to the dramatic to see if they would do them. And sure. both both years, um, the show I wrote the script for got picked. Nice. And so I got really into. I was. It was. It was in one of the thrilling eras of the American musical theater. 
and and I I was just obsessed with it. And almost everything I learned about writing those scripts, I learned from Richard Maltby. Oh wow! And um, but so I came into New York thinking I'm I, I'm going to write, right? And um, and then I got deflected more or less. Okay. And and um, by Jerome Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, and, and, the, and um, um, who stuttered? <laughs> I don't even know how to begin to describe my life. And the and the um, um, it's like um, it's one crazy thing after another, and and um, um, and Jerry Robbins was my friend until the day he died. So it's been like a whirlpool. I mean, I don't because I was I I was lucky enough to begin working as soon as I went into town immediately with people like Joe Van Fleet and Jerome Robinson and then Zero Mostel and so yeah. on. I didn't build up a list of people that I dream of working with. I thought if I just stand still <laughs> you know, people just keep coming along. Henry I love Fonda the image of you. Years later, Henry Fonda. Yeah, and, and I kind of, I kind of like the name. It. Joe Pesci. Yeah, Joe, Joe Pesci, um, Marissa Tomei, and and um, and on and on and on and on and on. I've been lucky, blessed. Yeah. 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 Did you? Did you like doing when you did Finding Nemo? Did you like doing? Was that the first time you did an animated movie? Yeah, and I hope it's the last. <laughs> <laughs> I was I mean, gonna say, how was I that mean, experience? I mean, the thing is that you that you stand in a room, yeah, and they just go over every line that, in this case, what's the character's name? Gurgle or something? Gurgle, gurgling. Yeah. Um, and and he's animated. Yep, and then. You say a line that they, they, they give you to say, and then you have to say it over and over and over and over and over again until it exactly fits what they want. And this went on like six or seven hours one day. Wow. I, I, I flew out early in the morning to, they were in the Bay Area. That, that was in, when they were in the Bay Area. Um, Pixar was in the there and then but then that night they took me for dinner at a wonderful french restaurant up in berkeley and it was, oh that makes up for it oh that's that nice i was hoarse so it, it's no fun making one of those movies well, was yeah, it worse animated any other actor in the room <laughs> right I mean, right that wonderful woman who's so funny oh, um ellen ellen degeneres yeah um she wasn't in the room with me right i mean that would have been fun yeah, I love yeah. her. I just love her. she. She's amazing. And, and the um, but I, I and and the people were very nice. They, I, I'm still friends with those people. Nice. And and nice. they um, they were lovely. But it's an exhausting, frustrating. I was way to work. I was I was wondering because you know from what you told me you like bouncing off other actors and experiencing that with other actors. So to be in a sound booth, I've done stuff where you're where you're by yourself. It's got to be infuriating. Yeah. You, know, you just keep doing it over and over again until until they like it with the animation. Right. It's not, it, it, it bears no resemblance to acting. Right. Wow. Which leads me to ask, when you worked with Johnny Five, 
Was that also that with the uh, the robot Johnny Five in, what? in Short Circuit? In Short Circuit, the oh robot? yeah. Was that also a challenge because it's just an inanimate object that you're giving life to? Well, no, because all my scenes were like were with like Steve Guttenberg and yeah, so on. and that was exciting. That was, and also I went to college with John Badham who directed it. Oh really? Wow. And and um. I did not know that. Um, those scenes were exciting to do because, because of those actors, because of like Steve and 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 um, oh Fisher Stevens, you know Fisher Stevens, and, yeah, yeah, and and um, um, but I um, but I I, I I didn't of course have any actually acting interaction with Number Five or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Number yeah. Five. yeah. But it was an exciting movie to make for those other reasons. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I actually wanted to ask you because I, I saw that you gave Philip C Seymour Hoffman one of his first acting jobs. Okay. I'd been working at the Williamstown Theater Festival in, in the Berkshires for years. Okay. And the artistic director there was a guy named Nikos Sakharopoulos to whom I owe about 127 things. <laughs> he gave me my first professional directing experiences, and he was amazing. Mm -hmm. He was famously difficult and all that, but I adored him, and I owe, I don't even begin to know, add up right. how much I owe him. Then he died, he was one of those people who died suddenly of cancer. Oh, wow. Um, early 1989. So we all didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So it was decided that three of us were going to run the theater that summer. We were called the Troika. <laughs> Me and Peter Hunt and George Morthogan. And one early March day, I was, I was the only one in town, and I was supposed to audition the non-equity actors for the non-equity company. Okay. okay. And... They had been selected, the ones to audition for, by intelligent casting directors. And I saw a lot of capable people. At about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, in shambles, this mess of a person. <laughs> and his jeans were torn, but not in the cool way. They were torn because they turned them on. On a on a on a nail out in the, you know, oh, and um, the, the person who was going to assist me wasn't there, so all you had was a person outside. Mm -hmm. So all day, every ten fifteen minutes, I watched a new capable actor auditioning. Around four o'clock, in shambles, this person who was a mess, as George Morfolkin later said to me, with the face of a Bruegel painting. <laughs> <laughs> And he proceeds for his, I forget the classical piece, but it was quite good. But mm. the contemporary piece was that final speech of Tom's from the Glass Menagerie, that yes. famous speech. Wow. Oh, Laura, Laura, I've tried to leave you behind me. Right. But I'm more faithful than I intended to be, ending with blow out your candles, Laura. I literally thought he was making it up as he went along. Oh, my God. It was astonishing. Wow. It's, I think, one of the two best auditions I've ever seen. 
Wow. Wow. And I, I said, um, 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 yeah, <laughs> like totally. Yeah. And then I tried to get some great parts for him that summer in supporting roles. Mm -hmm. But in, in a lot of cases, the directors were people I knew who said, no, I've already cast that part because I want to use an equity actor. And right. I said, well, yeah, but would you at least look at this guy? No, already can't. Don't try to make me use non-equity actors in leading roles at Williamstown. Nikos was always trying to get people to do that. Right. Uh -huh. And and no. So I got Phil a bunch of small parts that summer. And and then at the beginning of the summer, the, the ritual always was that all the directors would come out and audition the non-equity people. And right. And see who they were going to put in position. And, and one of the directors came out and said, is that the guy who you said should play this very major role in Mother Courage? I said, yeah. He said, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not going to say I told you so. But, uh, the, um, but still, he got a lot of good parts that summer. Yeah. And then the following winter, Olympia Dukakis, who was up there that summer, was going to do to, to do King Lear. Wow! With her husband Louis Zorich. Unbelievable. He's a great actor. Yeah. And in King Lear is the impossible part of Edgar, because Edgar's father hates Edgar and yeah. prefers the bastard son. And Edgar's a sweet guy, and there's no good reason why the father hates him. It's some of the weaker playwriting, actually. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 honestly. There's no justification why that father hates Edgar. So Can you come back in time with me and tell my English teacher that? Because that would be that would save me some time. Yeah. And, and so um, and so I decided to make it in contemporary times, King Lear. Mm -hmm. So I had lunch with Phil and I said. At, at Olympia's theater, and he was still non-equity. I she needed non-equity actors for okay. the, the King Lear we were going to do. Uh, I have an idea of how the character of Edgar would work in a contemporary setting. Why the father would hate him so much when there's literally no reason Shakespeare gives why right. that father hates that son. It's it's really not good writing, honestly, right? Right, honestly. And and um, and Phil said, "Oh, what, what?" And I said, "Edgar's a drug addict. Uh, that father would loathe that. Yeah, loathe it. And right. and and then when he has to pretend to go mad, and that's pretty unconvincing too in the play. Right. Um, the the madness will be he tries to go. He goes cold turkey. Oh." So this is all going to make sense. And Phil said, oh, that's cool, man, because I just got out of rehab. I said, what? Yeah. Because he would show up at Williamstown at 9 or 10 in the morning, all set to work brilliantly all summer in these wow. supporting roles he got. Yeah. He said, wait a minute. All summer you were um, on drugs? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I was on drugs, but now I'm in... No, I just got out of rehab, so I'll, I'll really be able to connect with this part. I said, well, wait, wait. Wow. And, of course, he was a breathtaking Edgar. 
and that right. whole concept worked very well. Yeah. And he expertly did the whole thing of going cold turkey. <laughs> right, like, right. It was like, oh, yeah. it was astonishing. He's yeah. probably the best Edgar that there ever was. Wow, I wish and, I could have seen which that. Which isn't saying much because the party's usually not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he had this career that any intelligent person could have predicted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been. And, I mean, and for a while, he always credited me for his career. And, wow. and, 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 and interviewers would call me up and I would say, well, anybody who didn't pick up on that talent of, in that audition mm -hmm. simply does not belong in the business. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I've almost never seen an audition like that. Wow. And, and, and how he did that, he was under, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I know and, it's crazy. And, um, so then years later, I went to see a show at Lincoln Center one night and it was a June night and I went out with some friends afterwards and somebody casually, actors I didn't even really know that well, but I kind of knew them. And somebody casually mentioned that evening, 10 o'clock at night, June night. Oh, I hear Phil Hoffman is back in rehab. And I had this terrible feeling. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And indeed, within a year and a half, he was dead. Right. Yeah. That uh, he was never. The not thing good. he couldn't handle was being in death of a salesman. Really? It just freaked him out so much. Wow. He told me when he was in death of a salesman. That character in death of a salesman. He knows he's dead already at the beginning of the play. Right. Which actually is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just freaked him out. Really? So, and you... so after it closed, after it closed, he went back on the drugs. Oh my God, man! I didn't no idea. Wow. I didn't know that that was what put him back on it. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, and he was good in everything. Like I, oh, I've seen was, every. Yeah, he was a great, great actor. Yeah, he, he was like go back over the great actors in American history. He was one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what a heartbreaking loss. Yeah. A tremendous We're, talent. Yeah. It, it's crazy when you think that um not not crazy, crazy is the wrong word, but it's just sad when you think that some actors get so involved in their roles and they can't pull themselves out of it once it ends or it changes them fundamentally. I always think of Heath Ledger playing the Joker and the toll that that wound up taking on him, you know. Uh, playing that role and, and a couple other actors that have done the same kind of a thing where they, they can't shake it. Oh, Heath Ledger was an awesome actor. Yeah, right? And then and, and the um, um, uh, Brokeback Mountain and all yes. that. Yeah. Oh, God. He was yeah, he... brilliant. And I had the honor to get to, to get to, to get to know his widow pretty well. Oh, Michelle, yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. She, she's lovely. And she's, she's, she's incredible, too. She's, and she's a real artist, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're having a good time, man. We're having a blast having you Oh, on. yeah, it's fun talking to you all. Great. You um, just have a couple more questions. I was wondering, what do you think of, of you know, kind of the state of the Oscars at this point? Because I know the talk is back in and everything with, you know, uh, they didn't do the Golden Globes this year. The ratings are kind of going down. Do you think they should embrace and acknowledge these movies that are out right now? Because I'm a, you know, I'm a Marvel comic fan since I was a kid, and these movies have kind of brought people back to the theater. They they kind of fund Hollywood in a way. 
Do you think they should be acknowledged so that maybe the Oscars? Because I mean, have you seen the movie of West Side Story? Yes, I think it's brilliant. Right? Yeah, it was great. Incredible movie. It was great. Yeah, wins everything it was nominated for. I know. I hope. I mean, but it seems like they're they're not doing um they're not doing too well. They might they keep talking about not showing the Oscars anymore. Do you have any like? I just don't like watching award shows. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would get them. I would get um, um, anxiety watching them. Right. right. And, and and the one time I was ever nominated for a Tony was when I directed The Little Foxes with um, that mar- the marvelous woman, you know, Elizabeth mm. Taylor. Yeah. And, wow. and I got nominated for it. And I hated going to it. Really? Um, and I and I um, I went through a period of quite a number of years where I just don't like watching award shows. I think it's creeping back. I think it's kind of fun. But yeah. I mean, it's like you know, you can go through history. I mean, the movies that were never nominated for Oscars. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a joke. <laughs> and, 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 but, but, but there's some good I mean how, how many best film nominees are there they're about like 12 <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly I, I hear the power of the dog is very good it's very good have you not seen yeah. that yet It's you gotta see it I hope West Side Story wins yeah power of the dog is very good but it's very very bleak it's not a happy movie oh no it, no no I'm told yeah, yeah it's but, very but sad. that's kind of exciting that they would nominate a movie like that yeah I agree and 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 West Side Story, I think, is a classic, right? And, and um, I worked with Spielberg once in a um, film called Amistad. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow! And God, is he exciting to work with? Yeah, I've never known anyone to be happier on a film set. I, that's really? a, a, a close a close friend of mine has worked with Spielberg, and I asked him about that. I said, "That's the." That's the kind of impression I get. I get that that's a guy who just enjoys the movie making process. He enjoys movies, and it shows. He just seems. Oh, and the way that movie is shot. Yeah, and 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 the integration of the dancing. Now, obviously, the dancing is not on a real street, right? But it looks so real, and the electricity of the acting in it. Okay. And the and the um. That boy they all don't like, but I think it was because oh, yeah. he be known to having an affair with a 70-year-old girl or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But, but all of them are marvelous. And and that and Tony Kushner's script way exceeds the original script of that piece. Sure. And it it so I'm I'm just hoping that wins all kinds of awards. Yeah. So that a whole lot of people go see it. But I hear the power of the dog is wonderful. It's very good. It's all the acting in it is amazing, and yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. It's it's kind of something I've never seen him do before. So well, it's really he, he's a he's quite an actor. He is. Yeah, yeah. he's phenomenal. Um, the, 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 the only thing about nominations and everything is there already there are already five times as many great people in any given year. Yeah. So it's 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 inherently arbitrary. Right. But still, it's fun. Yeah, now yeah. I'm kind of back to wanting to watch those shows again. Oh, good. I'm glad I hooked you back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll watch together. Um, I have to ask you the last uh, three questions that we ask every guest on the show. They're kind of like a theme for us. Um, the first one is, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, 
what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Don't play stuttering roles. <laughs> <laughs> they will break your heart. <laughs> Fair they enough. They broke my heart in Oh Dad, and they broke my heart in my cousin Vinny. Oh, I can never. I'm never going to look at that movie the same way again. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, the second question is, what had to end in your life, good or bad, to lead you to where you are today? Well, that's a really interesting question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> taking success or failure too seriously. Oh, wow. I think that would probably be it. And that did have to end at a certain point. Do you remember when it ended for you? In the late 1970s. Wow, nice. That's um, a good, that's um, when, good. when I began to get horrifying reviews and I thought it was all over. And <laughs> as, as I told you about before. Yeah. And, and, and uh, that long bowl of soup with, with, with Lynn Redgrave, as I said, was transformative for me. Mm-hmm. Where she, she basically said that, don't worry don't think about your career. Think about just acting. Right. I like that. Yeah. Um, that's great advice for anybody listening who's a young actor or, or wants yeah. to be an actor too, because it can ruin Cause, you. Because your career is like to be controlled by career thoughts is so stupid <laughs> it's hard because it's going to kill you. Yeah. There's no better way to put it. Yeah. It's going to kill you. Um, and, th- and the last question is a staple of the show just because it's called dystopia tonight and we're kind of into dystopia a little bit. So it's a weird question, but I think you'll like it. Um, if there was a genuine dystopia and like alien zombies, uh, climate, ch- you know, everything's on fire, a comet, whatever it is, how would you want to spend your last day? Would it be fighting an alien? How would you want to be remembered your last day on Earth? Uh, in a in a dystopia in a dystopian setting, yeah. yeah. How would you want to go out? Voting against Trump? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't know. What, what, what a challenging question. That's great. I, just acting, working, nice. love On it. Stage, yeah. On stage, beautiful. Again, this all goes back to that Lynn Redgrave conversation. Mm-hmm. Where you've got to make that the only th- in, in in your professional life. I, I I'm very happily married. You um, in professional terms, um, I, I we just had our fifty something anniversary. Oh, congratulations! Oh, happy, happy oh and we have two man. grandchildren. Oh, congrats, man! That's Great. awesome. One of whom is named Austin Pendleton. Beautiful. Wow. Very. He cool. doesn't speak to me. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> he. Ad- Doors, my wife, <laughs> and and I, I think he thinks I've stolen his name and his woman. That is hilarious. But but he's this brilliant, gorgeous kid, and wow. his little sister, who just turned one a little while ago, is named Olivia Claire. Oh, beautiful name. Oh, and she's as beautiful as her name is. Um. Um. I would. Sp- want to spend it with my my wife and our awesome grandchildren love it and, and my he's wife named... and my daughter 
and her yeah. husband. She's a surgeon. She's coming back to New York. She's completed her training. Nice. And she's she's a surgeon, and she's coming back, and she's going to work at a hospital around the corner from where we live. Oh, that's wow. so cool. She's going to bring her to, and her husband, who is an awesome, he's an ICU doctor. Oh, wow. And he, he, he goes for two weeks of every month to train ICU doctors in small towns. For the last few years, it's been Abilene, Texas. Wow. So a lot of people he knew there have died because they would not be vaccinated. I know. It's a it's and unbelievable. Have, and but but he's this phenomenal guy. Nice. So but and she and he and, and these two and Austin Christopher Pendleton and Olivia Claire. She, she she names her kids after her after her maiden name. Which is oh, a, wow. which is a thing now, and that marvelous husband of hers has no problem with any of that. Oh, that's wow. beautiful, very cool. So I would spend it with them, and, and you would name that to your grandson for something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that would be what I would like. All all of that is what I would like. I love that. Nice. Yeah. Very nice man. Her name is Audrey. Oh, Audrey. that's a beautiful names. Everybody. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. Audrey, I, Austin, Olivia. I read that you were named after your grandfather, and then your grandson's named after you. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and right? and, and 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 we named her Audrey Christine Pendleton. So she wow. just kept wanting the ACP thing to continue. <laughs> and and, and um, she, um, as a kid, she was a marvelous actress. Oh wow. She played in, in, in the fifth grade at her school. They did the Sound of Music, and she played the she played the Mother Superior. Oh, I was wow. just thinking of the Sound of Music. And, and she she came back from from um, they did the Sound of Music. She came back from the dress rehearsal one day, and I said, "How was rehearsal day?" She said, um, "We cut climb every mountain." <laughs> I said, that's your big number. Yeah, why? <laughs> he said, Dad, the song does not work. And she's totally right. That song does not work. And, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Rodgers and Hammerstein fan, but that song is leaden. <laughs> uh, and then her portrayal of the Mother Superior was Brechtian. It was so, right. she was so hard bitten. So my child, you, so my child, you want to be a nun or you want to marry him? <laughs> it was like my favorite performance ever of that role. Wow! And, and um, the um, um, and um, and then she acted in summer camp and Fiddler on the Roof. Wow! And got a laugh at playing Muddle, and got nice. a laugh on a line that in a year of playing I never got a laugh in. <laughs> I'm still in therapy over that. <laughs> and then, and then she just she she decided to become a, a doctor and then a surgeon. Wow! And wow. she's a and her husband is this brilliant man who does this invaluable work with these. He he was an ICU doctor at at the NYU hospital, and he got fed up with how they were always ordering procedures that people didn't need just to make a lot of money. Oh yeah. Wow. So he began this thing he does now, which is awesomely valuable. And he's a wonderful fellow. That's incredible. And so and, rare too. And then they have Austin Christopher Pendleton. Nice. Who yeah. refuses to speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> I say, hi Austin. And he leaves the room. 
<laughs> because he loves Katina, my wife. Oh my God, that's adorable. And so I've stolen his whoop woman, and I've stolen his name. Yeah. And but but when we do get around to talking to each other, he's an extraordinary kid. He's oh, also cute. breathtakingly beautiful. Nice. So he's he's going to have an interesting life. Yeah. And and um, Olivia Claire is like heaven. So I want I want to be with all of them the final day of the earth, and I want to be rehearsing the show. Lovely, wonderful, beautiful, that is wonderful. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much for spending time with us. This has been a, a real joy, and uh, and I, I hope you had a good time too. Such oh, it was it was a very fun interview. Certain things I've told you, I think I've said in other interviews to people. So I. I I hope that doesn't cramp the style of this. Not at all. No, no and never. our and our viewers now, you know, they haven't they haven't heard it before, so uh, it's lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we just thank you for being with us and sharing some time with us. My Absolutely. It, it was, you, you you guys do good interview. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you so thank much. Yourself. That means a lot, man. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. Nice Steve meeting you. Hope you have a good a night, man. Talent. Yeah. Have a great night. Take Thanks care. so much. Utopia tonight.